Hi everyone. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2021. At last. I thought 2020 would never end. I'm Ryan Adams, and you're listening to Week Notes by Instill. We had fun with the first series of episodes, so we're back for our highly anticipated Season 2. Let's hope we don't end up cancelled like a niche sci-fi series on Netflix. This week, we start 2021 in style, with Tara Simpson, founder and CEO of Instill, and Paul McDevitt and Emma Nash, graduate software engineers, on only their second week in the company. The onboarding process here at Instill is low pressure. Let's get to it. It's just a fun conversation that I happen to be recording. I hope everyone's okay with that and I haven't pressed you. So I know Emma and Paula, you know, is this like your second week? (laughs) And here you are on the podcast. I'm sorry. (laughs) I think actually because we've got Tara being the longest serving member of Instill, because you started the company, uh, and Emma and Paula being the newest members of Instill, it would be interesting to get perspectives on Instill from both sides or the tech industry from both sides, potentially. The question, I guess, that maybe Emma and Paula want to know is how did Instill start and where are we going to? Instill started in my bedroom. It actually started in my bedroom when I was about 13 or 14. You know, I was enjoying playing games and so on and I had a little spectrum. I could believe my mum into giving me a spectrum. And uh, the great thing about the Spectrum was you could play games on it. You could download games from using old cassette tapes. But you could also program games in from magazines. And that's how I started. I just started copying games in from magazines. And they were always buggy. There was always just issues. Then, you know, oh, there was stuff missing from, the, from these old printed copies. And if you go into our office, you'll see one of the magazines I had um, originally. And I feel see a Spectrum framed as well. So that was, that's kind of what got me into the, the programming bug as such kind of fired up my imagination about what I could do in the world I could create and the things I could build in, in software. And it just led me down into a degree. Came back after university and joined a software firm uh, in Belfast. And at that time in the early 90s, you couldn't imagine software wasn't a massive thing. It wasn't what you see today in, in the economy. It was, it was, I was very lucky to get a job in a company that did nothing but just program all the time. And we were, write, we were writing effectively compilers. And I was surrounded by people who were just great and people who I still know and, and work with today. They were just fantastic. And I, I had a, a brilliant environment in which to learn how to, to program, but program really well. Well, I stayed at that firm on and off for about 12 years. And then I shifted completely into the world of insurance. We went into this firm where people were spending a lot more time actually working on requirements, dealing with the complexity of working with customers. You know, our skills as engineers, as, as people who just did nothing but program, it became pretty obvious that we could really lead and bring the company forward in that front. I was lucky, I think, in that, that first job. It really set me up well for the second environment. And I, I kind of prospered in there and, and, and got to a certain position within the company and stayed for about three years. And then just 37 years old, just realized that if I don't do something now about shifting on to you know, building something myself, it probably wouldn't happen. So I, I left. I didn't really have a plan. I, I just knew I wanted to... Um, write more software and also help people as well. And that's why the company was called Instill, you know, instilling knowledge, instill, instilling best practices and that sort of thing. And so it was just me initially. It was just me, myself and I back in my bedroom. Yeah, and I was looking to have a customer in the States and also because I had a good reputation among the diaspora people I've worked with over the years. You know, the, the people were coming to me and I just got busy. And then after about three years, I took on my first employee. So the company has grown 
slowly to start with because I'm an engineer. I'm an engineer, but that's kind of core to what I am. And uh, suddenly I'm having to run a business. It's a very different set of skills and practices. And the company's grown slowly to start with. And then over the last few years, we're finding this multiplier effect coming through you know, because we're do- hopefully doing good things. People see we're doing good things and more people are coming to us. We're now starting to accelerate that growth. But yeah, it all started in a, in a bedroom back when I was 14 with a little little computer. I just got, just got the bug. Do you miss the engineering side of things now that you're kind of, you know, you're more in the running the business side? Do you miss like being on the ground and doing the programming? Yes. There's something very singular about programming. Uh, it's, it's a team sport, but actually, you know, when you're solving a problem, it's just you against the, the problem. And you want to you crack this, you want to solve this, you want to, you want, um, and I, I do miss just that singular focus on that one thing. Um, I'll, often, I'll often say, sort of jokingly, I must quote Oscar Wilde, I think programming is wasted, wasted on the young. You know, I, I think it's, when you're doing it, you don't realize what a privilege it is just to, to have the, any other distraction, you're just there to, to uh, create something, to build something. And that's wonderful. Whereas running a business, you're, it, it's, there's a lot to it. And there's a lot, I'm not saying there's not lots of programming. There is a huge amount of knowledge and insight and it's, 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 it's a complex, Thing, but I think running a business brings a whole different set of skills. But I'd say what I've learned over the last few years in particular is that the thing that ties me together is discipline. You know, discipline is the core of, of, of engineering and having good disciplines and good tools and good practices. And I'd say running a, running a business is very similar, just making sure you do things in a very disciplined, or, ordered way. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, Emma, Emma, Paula, do either of you have a, a spectrum hiding in your cupboard? My brother had a spectrum for he got for Christmas um, back in the eighties. So I do remember that. I remember the games loading up and the noise that it used to make. And I think it was the, the game. I think it was the only game he allowed me to play was the it was like Alien Attack. I think it was like he used to shoot aliens from spaceship. But yeah, I, I do. I, I had the experience off the spectrum. Yeah. It's good to see how computing has evolved from then. So if the trigger for Tara getting into programming was getting the spectrum and copying programs off magazines, what was the trigger for you to get into programming? Uh, for me, it was I had studied law before um, this. And the reason why I done that was because I wanted to like help people. But then with the study in law, I realized that, yes, you might be there to help people after things kind of go wrong. And then I had met somebody who actually like worked for Facebook, making algorithms to detect human trafficking through that. So that's when I realized then that actually technology, you can help people, but there's like a prevention there. You can make things that can prevent these things from happening in the first place rather than being there to solve it in the end. So that's kind of what got my interest in technology. And then I tried to find a way into it because I didn't grow up studying it. Like, I don't even think we had IT as a, like a GCSE subject when I was at school. So yeah, that's, that's what got me into it. Mine was more of a kind of, so I got my degree, went straight into university from school and didn't end up using my degree and decided to go traveling and ended up in different, I worked in executive assistant roles. So got to go in. And when I was traveling, it gave me an opportunity to go into different industries and kind of see things at quite a high level. I always enjoyed problem solving and kind of taking things apart and always became like the de facto kind of tech guru, even over probably the the Axel IT team. But I ended up working in a tech company in Toronto and um, would be sitting in in these meetings and realized that, one, there's a lot of acronyms in in tech, uh, a lot of acronyms. 
so um so we'll be asking loads of like questions so what does that mean and how do you do this and you know how did you end up getting into this and you know I would go home at night and play about in Code Academy and was just like just felt like this is what I want to do like I just I just loved I just loved it I'd be playing about the things so I ended up moving back home and and doing the conversion course at Queen's and yeah just like it really just sealed the deal for it just really made me realize how much I do enjoy it so like that kind of problem solving thing is like the wee addiction yeah it kind of sucks you in doesn't it <laughs> yeah there's that there's that there's the side of addiction it's almost like gambling or gaming or um games that are really well constructed have lots of little small rewards little games within games and programming is the same you know you're always just going towards these little small goals and you get a big rush because you've pulled lots of things together and it becomes a bit of a, a bug and you've got to remind yourself to get put yourself away from the computer because you're just you know just one more compiler just one more run of this to get it to get it working you know it's, it's it is a bug i always thought with programming like it would have been something that you would have had to have done you know from very young i didn't i never realized that it was something that you can pick up later in life and as Emma and I both did like the MNC. So that was, you know, just over a year course. Like I never thought in a year that you, you could get those skills. So it has been quite good. And, you know, there's a lot of transferable skills like you have in the past, as Emma said, with her problem solving, you know, it is, you can't take that and use it in a different industry. I think going back to what Tara said is that coding, I'm really glad that I've had that experience because now I think I can really appreciate coding. I think if I'd done it when I was younger and come straight out of university and went straight into it, I don't think I'd have an appreciation for, you know, how how good it is and how, how you know, just... I was um, I was helping my son last weekend with his English essay and I have this connection that I have between, I feel is very strong between programming and, and actually English or any language, I guess. But Joe was working on his critique of Lord of the Flies and he was struggling a little bit. And one of the things he was struggling with, first, first of all, it was critical thinking. And he was having to break down the question and then create, you know, think about what he's going to say and then break it down into a series of chunks, into a series of paragraphs, decomposition, essentially, and then focusing on each of those paragraphs in isolation to, to solve the problem, to, to say what he needs to say and get, get his point across. And I just, I think that ability to take a problem and break it down is universal. It's not just programming. You know, I think a lot of people in programming struggle to decompose problems and break problems down. But it is one of the core skills that you've got. We just happen to call them paragraphs and sentences in English, but we call them functions or, or methods and, and classes. And you know, these are just structural things that we, we put in place that we can organize, organize our thoughts. But there's, you know, there's two things. One is being able to break problems down into smaller chunks. And then we get down to smaller chunks. There's lots of idiomatic stuff that you can do that you recognize that you just need little patterns that you can reuse to help solve those small chunks. And then it's about this question of coordinating and bringing those things back together. And that's, that's a skill. That's 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 not a skill that's unique to programming. Far from it. That's a, that's a skill that's that's universal across many different disciplines and skills. One thing I've I've anecdotally noticed about programmers. So there's a there's a sense uh, that um, programmers tend to have a sense of entitlement. And I'm wondering actually whether it's it's because we know that we've got that problem solving ability or that decomposition skills that we think. I can solve that problem because it's easy. I can write code, so therefore I can solve world hunger or whatever. I've seen that, but I, I wouldn't mistake knowledge for ability. I've worked over the years, I've seen people with tremendous knowledge who can really talk, but actually what they produce is, is awful. You know, but they, but they can talk in the meetings, they can, in many ways, they know more about some of the stuff than you do from a very 
superficial level, but it's the detail and, and what you leave behind. The artifacts you create through programming are really, for me, what you judge people by. Now, we don't create code for ourselves. We create code because it's, 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 it's for the compiler. It's for other people to see. And those are the skills that I value the most, not the person who's got the biggest voice and the most knowledge in the room. But yeah, I, I don't see it in our organization. But <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, have it, I have seen it in the past in other organizations, certainly. Well, I think there's so, many, so much, so much debate about the hero programmer versus the team player. You know, it's something that's been debated a lot within the industry these days. And, and you know, even Garth had a blog post recently about the ten times developer around this. And there are lots of myths, and there are some people out there who can produce brilliant code or brilliant content or brilliant writing or whatever at a much better pace than other people. And they bring lots and lots of skills together. There's no doubt those people, those people exist. And they are amazing and they're amazing to work with and you can learn off them. But the best people, you, they, they give you their time. They help mentor you. They help bring you along as well and help you get to that place as well. And I think that's it's that team side that I think is exceptionally important and something we clearly focus on very heavily in, inside the company. So that actually brings me on to the, the question that I have really for Emma and Paula is how has it been joining a team when you can't sit in the same room as your team? How's, how has that worked? I can't imagine it's a lot of fun sitting in your, your kitchen or your bedroom, meeting new people for the first time. I mean, it's, it's, it's been okay. I mean, like with COVID, I think everybody's just trying their best. So you just, you know, you just have to kind of go with it. It's, it's, I definitely would be somebody that would like to work in the office because I am quite social and I do like, you know, that human interaction, but it's, it's been okay. And I think that, with technology now, like it is good that you can, you know, have conversations like this via Zoom. Like had this happened, you know, even 10, 15, 20 years ago, like I don't I don't know how the working from home thing would have would have come together. I think for me, and I I know that I'm I'm quite in, I'm quite an introvert. Uh, I like my own company, but this has made me really realise that I do miss being around people and I do get something from being you know that kind of way like it definitely whenever you're first meeting people as well I think that kind of interaction and because there's 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 so much more than just words that you know that you read from people like there's subtle kind of body you know it's just you get a real feel for someone and you can kind of build up those kind of relationships and obviously you can do it um remotely as well but it would just be lovely to actually have met people in person and then have gone to this medium rather than the other way around. Although I guess you, you're almost kind of getting to meet people again for a second time, right? And you're kind of, but um, yeah, it's been, it's been fine. Like, you know, like Paula said, everyone's just doing their best and just kind of doing what they can to get through this, you know? Well, certainly just, so I just uh, to add to that, I, I think we talked about this today in, in the chat as well. I've been asking around other companies and seeing how other leaders and developers and engineers are coping with this as well and um this doesn't help right but in a way it does just knowing that everyone else is feeling equally up and down about this uh, just know that i'm just not the only one that's mm. that's uh, suffering from these peaks and troughs and um <laughs> in a strange sort of way it kind of helps knowing that everyone else is, is feeling equally up and down about I think if that's if that's one thing that can come out of COVID was is the fact that people are a lot more open about their mental health and how they're feeling. I think there's a real tendency to think everybody else has it all nailed down and, and knows what they're doing and completely and I think people just 
you know, have been a lot more open about the fact that I'm having a really bad day or, or you know, I'm struggling. Is anybody else struggling? It just makes you feel like, okay, it's not just me then. It's like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that is good. I think the challenge that we're going to have is how do we help people through that? Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's wrap this up. One, one more question. So Emma said, if you had to give one piece of advice to someone starting in the industry, what would it be? I would say if I'm talking to programmers here, not to you know, data scientists or AI people or anything, but I would say as, as a programmer, really, really focus on your core disciplines. Focus on those simple things. Something I talk about, again, quite a lot, but it's kind of like asking a chef to cook an omelette. You know, if a chef can do the really basic things, make the basic sauces, cook eggs, do those things, everything's built on top of those basic practices, and programming is exactly the same. So learn how to structure your codes, I'd learn how to communicate through your code, learn how to test your code, you know, learn how to create clean, clean codes, learn how to use your tools really effectively. And I think personally, everything is built on top of that. They're really simple things. Nail them down. It'll take, it'll take time. It's a fact that something you never stop doing. You, your, your, your sensibilities around code and around how you structure and build code it will always be evolving. Like maybe your writing is always evolving and changing as well. So will so your code. But those around you will help you as well. They'll help, they'll help you get there through, through the mentoring and through um, reviews and so on. But I would say just really nail down on those, on those basics and then everything else will, will come. So if you need to know about AWS or need to know about Spring in detail, that's just knowledge, right? But all the other stuff you're doing is, a, is, a, is putting stuff down for real. And I think that's what, that's what those basic building blocks really, really are important. My answer, I thought of one, is... Um... <laughs> And actually, it's potentially almost the opposite. So one of the pieces of advice that I give developers of the past that actually I think is valuable is to aim for a broad experience. So you're right, Tara, that you need to focus on the detail, the foundational principles, but it'll make you a better programmer if you have a diverse experience where you get to experience what other people do. So if you've got an opportunity as a programmer to spend some time as a business analyst or as a product manager or as a project manager to kind of observe those people or even to do their jobs then you've got a better understanding of how the sausage is made in this factory and so that I think makes you a better programmer because you've got the ability to look at other people and kind of understand what their perspective is and then you could bring that and apply that to your experience. Yeah I remember I remember I remember once years ago it's just a, I think it's tied to that point I remember once years ago oh goodness it's in the 90s we were our software was actually um, built on a third-party database, um, not an Oracle database. This is actually a, a database that's been written by another company. We assumed control of the source code for this. Um, problem was that it didn't really work. And I was sent off to Germany to a logistics center where they were essentially distributing the the hamburgers or the burger, the baps for McDonald's all around Europe. And the software that was used to Manager's logistics was actually built on top of our emulation software, which is built on top of this really flaky database. Um, they just couldn't get the lorries out. Nothing was moving because the software just kept crashing. The whole system just kept crashing from the top down. Now, this is the days when everything was written in C and C++, and debugging was a real nightmare, particularly when you had three or four users. You know, it, it's, it's not like these VM languages today, which are really helpful around providing information about the stack and where it is and the call flow and everything. That stuff was just really hard to do like really hard to do, um, particularly in a live system where we've got 30 people all looking at you as a 20-something-year-old trying to fix the system and going, why is this not working? 
And I remember going back to the hotel room after two days of very little sleep. And I'm fairly resilient and fairly, you know, I can, I can keep my, myself together pretty well. I actually got to the point where I was so tired, so exhausted with so many people looking at me. I was, I was, I remember for about five minutes, I was hitting my head against the wall. I was so stressed and, and just so, so out of it. And I swore to myself at that point, I will never let this happen to me again. I will never write software or let software that I'm responsible for get me to that point where people are literally screaming at you because they can't get their lorries out from, and these lorries were stacking up. Now, thankfully, we, we got it fixed. But that exposure to, to the customer, that exposure to what your software can do or not do, um, it's not something I wish other people to go through, but it was it was really, really, it, it kind of, I think in a way, cemented my own um, beliefs about the importance of doing things really, really properly. And, and um, yeah, you know, the quality of code really matters. You don't, you, know, you don't just throw stuff together, throw it out and hope it's going to work. It will come back and bite you. So, yeah, I think having that exposure to not just writing software, but actually seeing your users, speaking to the customers um, and getting that feedback, hopefully not in a, in a logistics center in the middle of Germany. Um, and you got to remember, this is the 90s, right? So um, um, there were no mobile phones. They were, uh, there was just about a dial-up connection. That was it. Made that sort of with these sound you used to get the old spectrum as well. You know, everything was for so it was a really, really sort of tricky environment to work in. So I know things have changed, but yeah, it did. It definitely helped me a thing or two. Paula, Emma, any any tips? At the moment, no. I'm, I'm trying to take all the tips from people at the moment. I'm just taking it all in as well. And just you know, any advice and any kind of. We're flying out to Germany next week. <laughs> to deal with the burger buns. <laughs> yes. 